0: i started to bits and pieces around like you know little jobs here and there and um god knows how many jobs i've done as a you know building sites electrician pizza maker you name it Uh, but that was because you know you were waiting for the military service you didn't know what you're going to do next
1: welcome to the social fabric podcast with me andrea splendori and this week my guest is stefano sale stefano and i grew up together and went to school together in rome like me, Stefan has moved to Ireland in the last number of years, and I thought it'd be an interesting one to hear his perspective on things. The songs on this podcast have been shortened for rights reason. You can find a full playlist on Social Fabric on Spotify. The program is also broadcast every week on Near FM and Flirt FM. Please subscribe, share and review it's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. The title tune is Alice by Lucky Bones. Can I call you up oh Alice on a Friday night? We could reminisce on a Faccio una, comunque faccio, faccio un paio di domande. Mm. Parlo, una conversazione. Poi ti chiedo dei canzoni che, che hai scelto una volta del libro. E mi dici perché hai scelto il resto è okay. una conversazione semplice, ok, quindi con calmo. facciamo in inglese, perché, sennò in italiano non so se <ride> non funziona, dici allora se sei pronto, iniziamo così. Nella quarantina di minuti mentre, no, se vuoi lasciare, ci si mette, ok. So Stefano Sale. How are you Not too bad, Andrea how things? great great i thought I thought we'd do this one in english um uh, just because uh you know for the, for the Irish audience, but um we've known each other since we were kids, and, and it kind of, it's kind of weird to talk in English, but why as well stick with it? Tell me about uh, um you're like me, you're a, a, an immigrant. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about growing up in Italy, in Ostea I came to Ostea when I was 14, so I was a blow-in. You were there from day one. Tell me about growing up in Ostea all those years ago.
0: Well, it's a blast from the past. Well, you know, as you said, we all grew up around the cradle of civilization. And, uh, and um Ostiantiga was... A nice little cozy village, you know, and um, we all knew each other. That that was the the, the great part of this, you know. Now, if you go back there today, this you know it's changed so much over the years, like you know population uh, proliferation, and uh, so there's loads, um, you know, changes things, you know. But uh, but uh, as a kid growing up there it was great. Basically, we knew each other. Um, the, the, everybody knows knew each other. Like you, know, you go to your local butcher, to your local his agent you know and uh, you you stick around at the piazzas you know and uh, it it was great to meet up on a sunday morning you you know exactly where to find people it was in the main square and uh, it was a great, grace growing up there let's say you know and i you know i do i do um remember that fondly you know those those days
1: I always try to explain to people um, what Ostiaglia is like, and it's always hard because unless you've been there, it's kind of hard to to explain. But how would you, how do you describe it when people say, "Where are you from?"
0: It's very hard to say, actually. You know, I, 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 I <clears throat> you know, um, I might say something like, you know, uh, do you know Pompeii? Well. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a site just as great, uh, just a five minutes walk from my house, and uh, and growing up there, it was fantastic. know, obviously, as you know, Andre, you take for granted when you grow up in one place, you think the Colosseum is just your 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 next to neighbor's door, you know, and uh, and instead, it's a great Colosseum. So, Austin Tika had these fantastic uh, Roman ruins. Uh, the most best-preserved ruins, probably, uh, uh, you know, one of the best-preserved ruins in the world, and uh, they call it the Better Pompeii or, or something like that because it's not so... It's off the beaten track still and uh, not so much explored because it's so close in the proximity of Rome. So people tend to overlook this, which is a shame. But it's growing up, you know, like... Uh, it's growing in, in, in terms of uh, visitors, but um, it's always been kind of... Um, it goes so close, only half an hour drive, uh, you know, by train from Rome. Uh, people, uh, like it was a kind of second choice,
1: you know, visit
0: for, for the majority of people. But uh, rumor spreading around, so you get tourists now coming and um, you know, it's more packed than it used to be, but still <laughs> great place to be.
1: And you know, just as a background, we, as I say, I moved to Austin when I was fourteen, and then we went to. We ended up in the same school in in Rome, which was half an hour train journey. And for me, that was the beginning of wanting to get out of the place. I suppose, <laughs> it was a, and I I started to to drive to go into to into Rome every day, and then before I knew, at twenty two, I was in Ireland. But you followed a similar path, and tell us tell us a bit about your path from you know from starting secondary school to leaving the town you know, yeah. a few years later.
0: that's um, Yeah, we, we, we were basically on a parallel path, you know, as you mentioned. And I remember that time uh, vividly, in fact. I, I felt at that time, I just finished secondary school, uh, skipped my military service. I was waiting for two years, it was compulsory at the time. You had to go for your military service. And then after receiving the green light to move, Freely around, I decided to, you know, leave early to to head to London, and uh, and I was, um, you know, why did I move to London? Uh, you know, it, it's just um, it's just one of those one of those things. You feel like you know you want to learn new things, you know, and uh, you want to pursue something from different and uh, and also you, you in Rome at least I felt. Uh, lack of opportunities, you know, in regards of, uh, you know, having, a, you know, I wanted to explore and venture out, really, and, uh, you know, learning English as well was one of my the main factors, I always been, you know, sort of eager to learn English, you know, I was listening to, you know, I was a, a rocker, you know, listening to rock and roll, and for me, going to London was the cradle of uh, rock and roll. So basically, I was moving from one cradle to another cradle. And uh, so, you know, it, it, it was um, fantastic times, you know. And uh, uh, when I decided to go, it was uh, a real buzz around me, you know, there was great buzz.
1: What, what age were you when you went to London?
0: I was 21. I was 21. So just uh, as I said, before, after finishing my secondary school, we come out together, that's cool. Um, I started to bits and pieces around, like, you know, little jobs here and there. And um, God knows how many jobs I've done as, uh, you know, building sites, electrician, pizza maker, you name it. Uh, but that was because, you know, you were waiting for the military service. You didn't know what you are going to do next. Or am I going to go to, go to university here? Or, uh, but, you know, I no doubt had to move. Elsewhere because that was that kind of um, feeling inside me that to do something different, you know. As I said, going to London was being my cards.
1: And just before I ask you about the first song, so twenty-one. That's about. Without giving away your age, that's about 30 years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well actually we are approaching the, the 30 years. You know, yes,
1: absolutely. And t- tell me about the 21-year-old Stefan arriving in London. Um what was it like? Where did you end up and how how was it like?
0: Oh, i tell you Andrea, I remember everything. The minute I I jumped onto a plane, the minute I arrived in Heathrow Airport. And I had everything written down, a piece of paper. I had to catch the the, the Piccadilly line and get off at Northfields and then get the E2 bus that would take me to this place in Ealing Broadway. Uh, I remember every single step of that journey. That's how, you know, incredibly, you know, one of those things I really remember exactly what I've done that day. When I arrived there, I just got off the bus, And had this suitcase, a couple of suitcases with me. (laughs) I went to knock the door. (laughs) It was this house sharing that I found out through friends, you know. Say, look, just go there, and there'll be somebody there waiting for you at the door. (laughs) And the minute I I knocked that door, and guess who opened the door? And this Italian guy from north of Italy (laughs) uh, said, "Jesus, you know, I've just arrived in England. The first person I meet is an Italian guy." Anyway, so no. you know, from there, Andrea was. Um, a, 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 it was a big journey, you know, the beginning of a, of a journey. I remember, my dad gave me uh, seven hundred thousand lira, which was the, the equivalent of three hundred and fifty euro at the time. And he says to me, "Look, go to your for your holidays two weeks time, and see you later." Then <laughs> here we go, thirty years later, <laughs> I still had to give back the three hundred fifty quid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it, it was um, you know big changing point for me. And uh, what I remember of those early days it was um, it basically I I uh, ended up I wanted to learn English. That was the first step. So I used to go around supermarkets take the names of uh, jars, you know, uh, or vegetables or whatever, and just do, go home and do a translation. I was just also into learning the language. It was, it was incredible. But um, I remember I had lack of resources. only had, you know, was pocket money basically to survive. And I remember I was trying to find out where I could learn English cheaply. And I found a ref- an English ref- school for refugees. <laughs> so I remember cycling to this place and I ended up there there was an an Indian teacher and I was the only European the rest was Iraqi refugees from the war and uh, (laughs) that's where it all started (laughs) and uh, yeah but anyway from there then you know obviously I was eager to do things you know and uh, I wanted to pursue something you know I just wanted to do something positive so I started to explore you know what was available for me around there and uh, and, um, I decided then when I started to i got first job was at a at a nightclub, and I was picking up glasses off the table and my English was absolutely disgraceful you know uh, I, <laughs> I had to really rely on the intuition you know and um that's why I was trying hard to learn the language I thought that was a, that was paramount for me to move on. And uh and I remember that nightclub uh part-time job basically gave me started to give me the initial money to start doing this stuff and uh, and then eventually I joined the school in the local school where Freddie Mercury used to go to college, you know, and uh, and it's quite incredible that a year later I'll be I'll be at his funeral in central London. That was 92, November 92. And I was at Freddie Mercury's funeral and uh, and uh at the same time, my first job after moving on from the from the nightclub, I got a job into a into a monastery. <laughs> it, it was it was a kind of a uh, you know this kind of um, uh, Catholic schools with an attached you know monastery you know and I was working in the kitchen, and I found out one of the priests was a very good friend of Freddie Mercury and he was the one. Was actually was assisting him in his bedside before he died, so it all came around, you know, and it was, it was quite, you know, amazing. Um, and then, then, then things progressed, went on to, you know, I, I decided then that there was time to, you know, once I felt I was a bit more confident uh, with the English language, I, I decided to to go for a proper preparation, and I, I, I basically through the local schemes. The FOSS or intro office, as they call it now, I go into this uh, preparation school and I started to do economics, and uh, I was felt I was starting feeling confident with the language, you know, and uh, that prepared me to go and apply for a university course. And one thing I I, I remember is that um, because the teacher there knew my, where I came from. Uh, and the things I started to do that, I started from scratch. They basically, he referred me to the local paper and they came to interview me. And I remember they wrote an article called, From No English At All to a Degree Course. I was accepted onto the degree course at University, uh, university of West London. At the time it was called Thames Valley. And uh, so anyway, I I came out of the paper, <laughs> say this guy just arrived from Italy. We know English, and all of a sudden, three years later, he's he's gonna start a university course, and that's you know that that's that's the way it went. And I did my degree, um, and and, uh, and then uh, after graduation, I. I started to apply for jobs and um because my field of expertise at the time, if you can call it that, was political science, is actually EU integration. So anything to do with the EU institutions and politics and business economics. So um, the, the, the idea I started to apply to work for the EU in the parliament in, in Strasbourg and Luxembourg and so forth, but I was a, as a stage for 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 you know. And it never happened. So anyway, uh, because my, I did a thesis in the airline business um, and um, the regulation of the sector, I ended up working in the airline business. So I got okay. stuck working at Heathrow Airport for a few years and um, did lots of travels. And, uh, and that was it. And then I moved to Dublin. That's my London news.
1: We'll, we'll get to Dublin in a minute. Um, first of all, tell me about uh, La Vita Tombola. La Vida Tombola, the Manu Chao, the first right. song choice.
0: Right, that 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 that's came naturally because of Diego Maradona's passing last week. Um, why is why did I choose that song? It's very simple. I always listened to Manu Chao in the past. I had a couple of albums, but I remember that they came out with a song called uh, La Vida Tombola. And it's to do with it, which basically means in English, a, a life is a lottery. So, and because of the, you know, flamboyant lifestyle of Diego Armando Maradona, and uh, I thought that that was a good choice for me as a song. Maradona took part in the movie, which that song feature. And uh, it was part of my teenage years. I loved Maradona since I was a kid. And he uh, was particular. He was a legend, a football genius. And... Uh, I was lucky enough one time when he arrived in Italy back in 84, in, exactly in July, he, he just arrived and, and to work to play for Napoli. And incidentally, I was on holiday with my family in Tuscany, very close to where uh, Napoli was having their summer camp training, pre-season training. So my dad was mad about football. I said, let's go and see Maradona. And there you go. We got there and uh, it was incredible. He was there just outside signing autographs. And now i managed to see a glimpse of his last training session. It was incredible. And uh, then he came out, started signing autographs. And I was there with my, uh, you know, old-fashioned camera. And uh, I remember uh, I took a couple of pictures just in front of him. And I was trying to get an autograph, which eventually I did. I got one, but it was the last one. And it was a scribble. <laughs> if I show you the autograph today, it's just a, a scribble. You wouldn't, you couldn't tell what is that. Like. Because it was the last one. He got fed up, and he gave me the pen. And uh, but I was trying to get further with him, but it was impossible. There was too many kids around, so it never happened. But uh, anyway, look, it was a great experience. And um, the hand of God. What 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 a what a what a character. What a what a what a player it was. You know, but. Um, you know I watched the game against England the other day well the, the highlights from the Argentinian side of things. Mm-hmm. If you listen to that the argentina you know football commentator he was absolutely wild and uh, you know uh, <laughs> it's exhilarating when he starts saying the football genius takes takes the ball and then he, when he approaches the england um, in penalty area and he goes." Da, 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 <laughs> It's just unbelievable, you know, and uh, I recommend it to anyone just to watch it for the fun, you know, and um, and um, it was a good man at Maradona, you know, he made lots of mistakes. Um, I would say, you know, in his private life, you know, he made mistakes, but who, who doesn't? And, uh, and um, but he was uh, like Muhammad Ali, his own kind, he was that kind of, uh, you know, person uh he he changed the gener- generation and uh look, look what happened when he died the whole world stopped everybody was talking about him um so that that's really my memories with maradona and um his best quote after that the hand of god <laughs> they called he, he called himself uh, that goal was called with a little little head of maradona and uh, and the a little hand of god you know it's just um he was a cheese, let's face it, you know, but the, the English never, never could never cope with us, you know, and uh, but then the second goal was absolutely fantastic. You know, so. Si yo fuera Maradona, viviría como hoy. Si yo fuera Maradona, frente a cualquier portería. Si yo fuera Maradona, nunca me equivocaría. Si yo fuera Maradona, perdido.
1: I was smiling there when you say you got your degree because um, when we were in school, I wasn't very good, but you weren't very good either. <laughs> so, and I always remember when when you got your first degree, and I was thinking, how did he you get a degree? Anyway. Well done, <laughs> but look, then
0: you to went into to work. That, yeah. To add on to that, look, put it this way: you, you, to take to finish that school for you took two five years. It took six for me because I had to repeat one. <laughs> that's how bad it was. Yeah, I know. But,
1: um, but anyway, so you went on to do a lot of work in the in the airlines, but and that's you know between uh, um, Heathrow and other places in in, in England. But then. Uh, yeah, then one day you just uh, you just arrived here. <laughs> you arrived to as in Dublin refugee. as a second time refugee. This Defense time you came refugees. to see me, and uh, that was for a short time. Tell me about that that move. What I'm interested in, because as uh, as you said, we were a parallel life, and I have my view on how. Uh, and I know we're not called immigrants, but we are. Uh, because it, my, my, my grandfather went to Argentina as an em, 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 emigrated to Argentina. Um, and then, uh, but then when I moved here, I was just traveling, but it, it's actually, you know, we have, we have a life that, uh, of immigrants. So what, what, like you, you obviously had a, a circle of friends and, you know, spent how long were you in England for 11 years? Yeah. So that, that was, you know, that was a formative years, you know, 21 years of age until 32. Um, yeah, so tell me a bit about all of that. As you when you moved from England to Ireland, what what was that like?
0: It was a complete change. I, I mean, you know, I came here when on holiday you know, a few times before that, so I, I I knew what to expect. But it was um it was it was a, a big change for me because I was so ingrained into the English type of life and society. But you know, and uh, it was time to move on, I guess. And uh, and I was looking for new challenges. And uh, and I thought London is a great place as a student, as a you know first starter, and it's a great you know city. But then when things become too big for for your sleeve, you know, you you know, I, I wanted something smaller. Let's say, you know, want to go back to my Ostia Antica roots. Let's say in a smaller place more, you know, more down to earth, more, more, more more kind of um, appropriate for, from the time I was leaving. you know, and uh, I thought Dublin was a great choice for me, and when I arrived, you were very helpful, of course, you know, and, uh, and uh, and I settled very quickly, and I settled in very quickly, and uh, it was, it was a natural move, and, um, and I picked it up from, you know, work front point of view, I picked it up where I left it from, because, I restarted working in the airline as soon as I arrived in Dublin. Two two months later, I was, you know, directly employed by another airline company. So, working in the office this time, not at the airport. And then from there, I, I, you know, my career slowly progressed into one direction. But then it took another turn where a couple of years later, I wanted to explore different areas and I... Applied to go back to college, and I got accepted to the master's degree at UCD in the humanitarian action, and uh, and um, that was a turning point as well because it changed the course of my life. I, I was keeping my job part time to subsidize myself, and so I was doing two things at once. But then, then after doing that, I I, I was lucky enough to to apply for uh, for um, there was a job going on after graduating you know and and uh, with Irish shades in the department of foreign affairs and i was taken on board uh, to work as a as a consultant an expert consultant in aid work and uh, and i wasn't put on a roster and we basically they 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 allocate you with the with, with an ngo or a un organisation and i started a new career and then i started working for the un and um my before that just prior to that i was lucky enough to spend some time in india volunteering and i was helping um, a family relation and, uh, and doing a project with with street children and education in india so i was very lucky to travel all around india uh, visiting 19 schools all over the place and that that was a fantastic experience for my Uh, point of view and um, I travelled a lot by bus, by coach by train, by plane and I've been in every single corner of India despite the fact I had been there before, uh, prior to that I already spent time in India by myself travelling as a backpacker as as you know and uh, and, uh, so I was already familiar with the Indian culture shock and that was, you know, so when I got there it was a culture shock but not as much as the first time, that was a real culture shock uh, india has to be has to come uh in my in my opinion the the most incredible place on this planet and uh and it still is in my opinion for many reasons but anyway so that that experience was prior to my deployment i went to colombia in south america at the border of venezuela and i was working for the un in a little office and it was a great experience you know living there around the shores you know was from a completely different you know point of view and uh Working for a big organization like the UN, you know, it was a, uh, it was a, it was an experience because I traveled in in in, 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 the, in the jungle. I had uh, a lot of, um, you know, uh, things that I could tell you, you know, in terms of uh, experiences and talking to people. I met so many people, made so many friends, and I, so I, it's a, it was a great experience overall. And um, so the the Colombia stint was, uh, and I spent there a year. Oh, uh, it was great it was great and then of course family came along and there was a whole change
1: again <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a second so tell me about um, Steel Pulse Find It quick oh, that, to be honest with you,
0: that, you know, I have a library made of uh, about a thousand songs I'm talking about a hundred albums so for me to, to pick three songs wasn't easy <laughs> And uh, I didn't say I go random, but I I went well, wherever was my current um, sort of uh, feelings are, you know, and, uh, and my mood. Uh, I picked up Steel Pulse because I, it was a great reggae album I discovered a long time ago, and that's a nineteen eighty two album, True Democracy. And if you listen to that album again, it it, it it's just uh, you know it's fantastic, and and. Uh, uh, I, can't, I can't get tired of listening to that to the album. Um, so anyway, that came uh, as, um, as a as an easy choice, you know. In, in that respects, uh, I always like reggae music. But as you as you know, my my music taste is very 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 wide. I I started as a rocker, seventies rock, you know, Led Zeppelin, Genesis, Pink Floyd, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <sighs> Moving on to punk, the new wave. Uh, uh, soul funk, you know, whatever you name it, uh, R&B or uh, uh, you know, I listen to every single genre, as they say in, in German. Germany. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so Steel Pulse uh, is, a, is a great band. I strongly recommend. I can't be-
1: you mentioned about um and we'll get to your family in a second um because you you can actually you can tell me about it because you you married a good friend of mine and she's a wonderful artist only peppered and you now have three wonderful kids um but while while all of that and that changed everything again as you say you know because all of a sudden there was no more <laughs> traveling around the world uh, troubadour, uh but between that and uh and the, the, the way you created a, a community around you uh, as part of the football community as well. So just just tell me a bit about all of that, you know, because it all kind of almost came at the same time. As your kids were coming along, you were creating this yeah. uh, this new world of, uh, I mean, you're mad about football. You always have been, but you, you had to have something beside you. And that's, tell us a bit the the story.
0: Yeah, I, I'm mad about football, but not as much as you think. In the way that I, I follow my team and I watch every single game of my team, but then I switch off because I, I prefer romantic soccer, vintage to the current uh, soccer, you know, days of today. I it's too much money, too much uh, soccer on TV, so I tend to switch off. So and so in that in that respect, you know, but in terms of community, I, I started this fan club as a matter of, because I started to go, when I came to Dublin, I thought, where am I going to watch the football now? And <laughs> the first thing that sprang to mind. So I so thought, let, let me go and start investigating. Then I found out that in town, there was a pub showing his in football, and I started going there, and I met a few friends. Obviously, we were gathering on the Sunday afternoon to watch the football. And then I started with this idea. I was cycling once in, in the park, and I thought, what about a football fan club, like, you know? Let's start gathering everybody under one roof, because I knew that people were watching the uh, home in different pubs. You know, I thought, why, why not uh, just you know get a, 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 a just bring everyone under one roof, and uh, and that was the idea. And I start you know the, the easy it was very it easy was easy, but you know time consuming because I had to go and talk to the pubs. And uh, strike a deal on drinks and that and then start getting uh, so it's a bit of an organization behind that, but you know, I did it with passion and I and as a result, you know, now we 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 have um you know a big football fan club and uh, and we integrate, we got lots of Irish on board in the meantime, and uh, we started we got lots of media coverage back home in Italy as well as here in Ireland and uh, we participate lots of charity events, and uh, for instance, when the uh, the Liverpool fan Sean Cox, it was, uh, you know, it was was trapped into the incident at Anfield Road. You know, I I went to talk straight away to the Liverpool fans in Dublin. There's a massive, you know, fan club there, and immediately we 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 we, we decided to do fundraising together. We start backing up the whole operation, and uh, uh, anyway. Uh, because that's the way, you know, things are meant to be. And, and um, I'm an advocate of uh, uh, social integration and uh, the fact that I was able with this fan club to actually have Irish people joining us. And uh, a, 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 and I created, you know, I, as people say, I created a monster, you know. And, <laughs> and there's, you know, lots of people now gather. They There's WhatsApp groups and they talk between themselves about about football in Irish, you know, Irish people. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm very happy that I've created something that in the end of the day, you know, benefits the community.
1: Yeah, I know. It is a very much a community thing because uh, you do you do your sunday football you do your travel abroad when when before covid and hopefully post covid and uh, um but it is i uh, mean how many members what's it called how many members
0: it's called uh, um well s roma era and roma club dublin that's that's the way we are known uh we have an average of 80 members every okay. year, is about you know and obviously there's people coming in and out you know so without being members they just come and watch the match sit down and watch the match and they go but obviously to be a member you have a number of benefits like you know you get you know beer discounts and uh, food yeah. free food etc etc uh yes uh, as a community as i say we, we we travel abroad we we you know we did um uh, sort of um Seven aside football tournaments every summer. You know, we we participate to local events, and obviously we hooked up with the rest of the fan clubs here in Dublin. So of different other teams, you know, so so yeah, that creates, you know, a big network of uh, football fans. You know, that follow Italian football, and uh, and we all meet up sometimes in pubs, in places. You know, uh, we we join basically for for events. So that's the way. That's the way the things should be.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you're great at keeping in touch with the Italian community. I I only know you <laughs> as an Italian. <laughs> but there's a lot going on, isn't it? There's a big Italian community in Ireland. Um, which apart from Actually the- there is. Yeah, and I wasn't aware until recently, in fact. So I,
0: I didn't know I never knew exactly the figures of many Italians live in Dublin. Uh, but they're meant to be about ten thousand or something like that, if not more.
1: Okay. Because there's all sorts of, like you do some stuff with uh, Radio Dublin as well, uh, with Near FM, am I right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, my other passion is, um, you know, radio. In fact, uh, um, I, 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 you know, as, as you know, I'm on Near FM, uh, you know, uh, periodically doing a little program called Football, Please. And we just talk about just football in general, it's just not about the club. It's about the clubs. What happened at local level? If there is any events or things going on, but at the same time we talk about, especially you know what's going on at football level in terms of um, you know, if there's anything to discuss you know in terms of uh, news or whatever. But you know, yeah, it's it's a little uh, it's a little you know space that I was given to talk about these kind of issues and what's going on in Dublin, you know, more or less.
1: Brilliant. Okay, tell me about your last song, which is Easy by the Commodores.
0: Easy by the Commodores, again, it's, uh, it's a choice to do with my present mood. And uh, I'm trying to take things easy. And uh, as the song says, uh, we're living in a strange times with COVID and uh, things will never go back to way it was. I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no. But, uh, you know, I... We need to live day by day and uh, and uh, to to take things easy is the best way.
1: No it sounds funny, but I not the pain. Here I'm leaving you tomorrow. Now, speaking of that, and we were talking about your family and uh, kind of reinventing yourself several times, which is, is a great way to be, you know, exploring new opportunities. And uh, pre-COVID, you started a, a new business, which uh, it was taking it was off until COVID happened. Um, and I know over the years between working in the airlines and uh, and the studies you did and the travel, you know, the whole thing kind of came together to be a one thing which you wanted to explore. Um so tell us about the different things you were go- you had going, you have going that at the moment are on on ice as such <laughs> while over yeah. COVID is happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, like you know, um, as you mentioned, I you know, after I had to change career once again and and to pick up on what you just said, jack of all trades. That's where I am, Mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, uh, we all often see uh, jack of all trades as as a negative thing. And as you instead said, I well, I can see why. I what I I, in the past I went to some, uh, you know, I I went through some job rejections and career changes, so I can understand why people often say the jack of all trades is you're a bit of everything. But in my opinion, it should be seen as an asset. Because reinventing yourself is is good for your well being, for your mind and soul, for your uh, personal you know experience. And uh, so I, I would say that uh, to be a jackal trade, uh, you know, should be should be a positive thing. You know, although it has its drawbacks, you know. And uh, so yeah, my career disruption again. I started this new travel business uh, in school tours, which started to pick up, you know, recently, and. Uh, and uh yeah we covid of course like the travel business went on its knees so it, the, the the project is now put on hold and we probably taking like a couple of years before we start picking up again uh but in the meantime you know, I'm onto something else so you know fingers crossed i'll uh, i'll keep you posted but um uh, i i honestly recommend as i said i i i'm picking up exactly what you said earlier on and to 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 reinvent yourself it's not easy and many people stick to one thing, or you know, they're, they're whatever they specialized on, or whatever, and which is obviously bringing their their livelihoods, their benefits, and their income, or whatever. But in in general terms, people should really explore ventures to do other things, you know. And that's part and parcel
1: of what life should be. And what what's the name of the business? My new business. No, oh, no, the, it, start, the, tra- the travel, the travel, the oh, travel.
0: Sorry, the travel. The, the, the travel business is called Sonus Travel. Sonus. And that, that was a school tours. That uh, the moment is on hold, as I said. yeah we—we're we, looking at uh, you know different things at the moment. Uh, you know, we'll keep it posted.
1: That's great. Now, just um, I'm curious about something that uh, I think it's the same question we get asked all the time. Um, and uh, I'd be 30 years in Ireland this next year, so I think for the last 30 years I've been asked the same questions all the time. Uh, but you don't miss easily. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you that question.
0: And, and I'm going to answer that question the way you probably would, because it's a great place to go on holiday. Yeah. That's the probably the best place to go on holiday. Uh, uh, and I'm sure there are lovely areas and parts of Italy where you can live very nicely. Uh, I, I I do miss easily. Yeah, well, you know... Um, it's um, it, it's 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 one of those things, Andrea. That's uh, you know, you settle somewhere else. Your life is now somewhere else, but it doesn't mean that you forget friends or places or family. It's just you know, you're living in a different place, doing other things, and and uh, you know, I'm pragmatic in that kind of sense. But uh, I, I, it actually is an incentive to me to go home to 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 take the best out of what. Uh, you're, you're not holiday too easily. Yeah. Should be like,
1: yeah, yeah, very good. And um, and the other thing that it's um, that I, I kind of probably failed miserably at it is trying to keep some sort of a culture of, with my kids. And um, how how do you deal with that? How do you keep their? Uh, how do you make sure that they understand the Italian culture whilst they're not in it? Like you know, I know you visit mm-hmm. Italy as much as you can, but uh, it's still. They're sitting. They're here. They're born in Ireland. They're pretty much Irish. What do you do?
0: I started from day one talking to them in in, in Italian. You know, and um, it, it. I don't know. I just felt like you know that there was a great asset for them later on to to have a bit of understanding. I'm not saying they have to do something with that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying they're gonna go to live in Italy one day or they have to do a, a job with that to speak Italian. But it's something. You know, it, it's in. It's there and there's an assist, so i don't even know if they're going to be any fluent in Italian. but but they look to this you know they, they 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 do speak they do understand and uh so you know it's something else there and they you know obviously learning another language opens up uh you know in terms of if you start early enough they may take on board other languages who knows sure. spanish french so you know it, it's a. It's a good. Uh, I think it was a good thing to do at the beginning. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not there constantly or you know, teaching them grammar or anything like that. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, I, I'm not just there to uh, we do a conversation. Sometimes I mean I speak my own Roman slang, and uh, <laughs> actually, that's probably what I do most of the time. So the Italian is probably not 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 that great, but you know, it's um, it's uh, it, it's fun. I, now I, I see it is as a, as a fun exercise because. I speak to my kids now, and they, they laugh a lot when I show them something in Italian or or funny. They they understand, and you know? so, anyway, so it, it, I think it was, it was it was a good thing what I've done I, in that respect. I'm you know I'm happy I've done it.
1: I know it's brilliant. I failed miserably, but uh, there's still time. And <laughs> um, tell me something about the book you picked, which is "In the Light of What We Know" by Zia Ader Rayman.
0: Right, that's that's uh, the reason why I picked that book is because I read it so not too long ago. Uh, it was a, a novels, and rarely I buy novels. I I but that, that that the title, and I started reading. You know what all about, and I thought mm, that sounds intriguing. It's basically it's two people meeting after many years, and uh, in London, and they're all from Asian extraction. And uh, from different backgrounds, but they all went to this, the same educational kind of path. And uh, you never know who's the narrator there, but uh, the, the the guy. And they talk about basically uh, the, the 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 breaking of nations is basically through science, through war, through politics. Uh, I, I found that so was it was very interesting in, because it was well written. And uh, Sometimes hard to read, uh, you know. It was, a, it was a particular way, or you know, the actual way they they decided to write that book was a bit um, odd. But so it's difficult to actually follow exactly. Plus, it um, it's a big book as well. Uh, but I, it was a it was a, it was a different book to read. So let's put it this way. But as I say, I'm not into novels. I prefer, you know, I don't like fictions in general. Uh, but also because the backgrounds were kind of Asian from Bangladesh and from Pakistan. You see, because I, I spent so much time in India, like yourself, uh, well, you spend much more time than me in India, but uh, I, I remember I was once in Shillong, in Meghalaya, in the region of Meghalaya, watching, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sanchez, the Everest, <laughs> so much. Uh, and I remember picking up this book uh, by um, Mark Tully called... Indian in slow motion, and uh, and uh, you see uh, from that from that point, I always had whenever I read about that kind of region. I I I guess uh, you know so interested. That's why the book, this kind of book. You know when I when I read what it was all about and he was writing it, I thought, hey, let me read this. You know anyway, it's I I recommend it. It's a, it's an interesting reading.
1: Brilliant. Okay so we're kind of coming towards the end of it um but I uh, just want to ask you about um uh, Naomi which is your wife and she's a great artist um and you know I know you met her years ago and you know as I said we three kids now but uh, uh how has the covid affected her business so she's she's a great um you know you can find her herself on naomipepper.com yeah, well, uh, but yeah
0: well, Naomi has been, um, you know, she had, uh, she was teaching classes, you know, so that that, that went down the drain, you know. But uh, but yes, she, she got some commission work, and then she finished the book recently for a children's book, uh, which was sponsored by Eddie Rocket, the the, the um, chain, and a hundred percent is going for to charity for Temple Street Foundation. So uh, the book is just out now; can be purchased. Through any Eddie Rocket's outlets, diners, uh, in fact, now with the end of lockdown, we should be able to go in and pick up one of the books easily, or it can be bought online on the Eddie Rocket's website. And Norm has done the illustrations for that book, and. Um, so uh, and uh, so, but she was able to to finish off that thing, and now she's 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 obviously painting. Uh, she's doing portraits, pet portraits, people portraits. Yeah. She gets commission work, and uh, so you know, yeah. she under that point of view, her business uh, kind of stopped. But you know, not totally. She's she's got uh, bits and pieces coming in.
1: Yeah, and that's their third book that she's doing in collaboration with. Um, I forget the name of the writer.
0: The, the author is called Don
1: Briggs. Don. And that's oh, a third great. book they're doing for charity. It's a fantastic book for kids. So I'll definitely put it yeah, in the, in the uh, show notes.
0: Yeah, the first book was called uh, The Boy Who Wanted the Dragon. And the second book was The Return of the Dragon. This one is called Upwards and Onwards.
1: Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so listen, before I let you go back, um, I always ask everybody to give me a quote or some words of wisdom, anything to to let us go. What what gets you up in the morning?
0: I uh, tell you what, the songs, the music, because I I'm, a, I'm I, I love music so much that it has really shaped my life. Um, every song has, a, has some strings attached to a story or situation. In my opinion, it's a powerful tool to retrieve memories, and uh, especially in recent times, when unfortunately we had some friends passing away, I always found that music, it's my saving tool. Through music, I'm able to survive certain situations. And as I said, I, uh, I tend to associate songs to situations or, or stories in, in the past. And uh, it's incredible. Even the most commercial or, or maybe something I don't really appreciate or like, but uh, you know, again, I don't know that we are at the end, but I remember in Austin I used to go to the local coffee coffee shop, bar, and there was a jukebox outside playing music all the time. You just put coins in and you play your songs. And there was this song, which really haunted me for years. I hated this. But now I listen to that. I said, Jesus, you know what? <laughs> that reminds me a lot of those times around that, playing cards there, you know, or hanging out with people playing, you know, um, mini soccer or whatever. And and that's a, a song that I, at the time, Jesus I despised us, you know. And I listen to that now. Jesus, man. You know, it's just, Do you remember uh, what the song was? Uh, oh Jesus. Uh, um, oh, it's the the, the 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 industry of a nation or something like that. Okay. Um the, maybe the band was called industry. Oh
1: Andrea I'll have to get back to <laughs> Okay. This. If you remember let me know. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. So, look, Stefanos Ali, thanks, Amenia, for your time. Really appreciate it.
0: It was a pleasure, as usual, as always.
1: <laughs> thanks,
0: Emanuel.